see you this morning. For those uh, watching online, welcome. And for those of you who decided to come in, even though Jason did warn you I would be speaking this morning, again, welcome to you. As uh, we're going to do some things today and talk about some questions that are very, very difficult. I'm Pastor Larry Knight. I'm the care pastor here. And uh, today we continue with our hot topics and questions that need to be asked and questions that need to be addressed. Now, I know just to preface that, uh, when I get to heaven after the first billion years of worshiping the Lord, I have three questions I want to ask him. And those questions are, why mosquitoes? <laughs> why poison ivy? And why Michigan? So as we continue today, <laughs> we're going to discuss why do bad things happen to good people? So we're going to look at uh, evil bad suffering righteousness the goodness of God and redemption so let's give this service to him in prayer father as we open your word today we we d discuss a difficult question uh, give us understanding give us peace but more important lord just strengthen our lives and encourage us as we leave here today that we would be more on fire to serve you and we'll praise you for that in Christ's name amen okay the question most asked by non-believers and unfortunately some believers is uh if God is so loving and good and perfect, why does he allow evil to run amok in the earth today? And the simple answer, and a lot of people don't like the answer, they think it's a cop-out answer, but it's very, very simple. It's sin. If you remember, God created man to live in perfect peace with him. That was his plan, to have perfect fellowship. And because God gave man the ability to choose, man fell to the temptations of Satan breaking that perfect companionship with God God made several attempts to reconcile man back to him with various laws and sacrifices but the only perfect sacrifice of Jesus would make the possible transition back to God or the impossible transition back to God possible now let's look at Job and of course we all know the story of Job a man he had all the earthly wealth great family great kids a loving wife but Satan challenged God and said, you know, the only reason Job follows you is because of what you've given him. And God said what to him? Do everything but take his life. You know, we need to look at the terms today of good, evil, bad, pain, impossible. But I want you to look at it in a different way, a different perspective. This entire, I guess, message this morning is on looking things from a different perspective than what we're used to. You know, we've got to change our perspective. We've got to develop new boundaries looking at good and righteous, evil or bad, and possible and impossible. Remember those terms. With an expanded understanding, open to ideas that are not normal to most of us. Now, the definition of good, of course, in the dictionary, if you look in Webster, they always say the definition of good, the act of being good. Yeah, I could write the dictionary. But anyway... It's of a favorable character or tendency, bountiful, virtuous, commendable, profitable, agreeable, pleasant, wholesome, true, honorable, beneficial. I think you get where that goes. And the definition of righteous is acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable, genuine and excellent. So good and righteous go hand in hand. But now the definition of evil is morally reprehensible, sinful, wicked, causing discomfort or repulsion, offensive, something that brings sorrow, distress, or calamity. Quite a contrast to good and righteous. 
So what is good for one person could be bad for another. And the best example I could give is when Ohio State beats Michigan. That's good from our standpoint. But from the Michigan perspective, it's bad. So who's right? Of course, Ohio State is. But now, when Michigan beat Ohio State last year, that was good for Michigan and bad for Ohio State. But that's only happened twice since 2004, so I wouldn't even qualify that as a good or bad. I would qualify it as a fluke. So anyway, <laughs> but again, it's the perception of what is good or evil, possible or impossible. It's how we look at things that shape our understanding and responses. So people often say that bad things happen to good people, and then they question why and state that it's impossible to get through the pain and evil things that are happening in this world. And sometimes it really seems like it is impossible. And that is a true statement without involving God. It is impossible. The impossible part of a no possible resolution comes from a human perspective. But we know that all things are possible with God. Everyone knows what a hole is, right? Everybody know what a hole is, okay? And the general shape of what a hole is as we perceive and understand it. So, if I stated, and if you've seen this before, just kind of bite your tongue, but if I stated that uh, I can cut a hole in this eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, big enough that uh, you could walk through it, you would say it's impossible. But I want you to look at it from a totally different perspective and in a different way, going outside the box and making what seems impossible very possible. Now, the definition of a hole is an opening through something, this is something, to make an opening through or a hollowed out place in something. So, people that are very skeptical, I think people that are very analytical, people that really think they can think things through and figure it out. So, uh, Alex Elia, come on up here. Alex is one of these guys that he can do anything, he thinks through it, he's very analytical. And I want you in about uh, just a few seconds, cut a hole in this piece of paper and then I want to walk through it. Yes, sir. So, do your best. Yeah, good try. So, as Alex is trying to do the impossible, you know, uh, skeptics are everywhere. Now, Alex is probably skeptical and doubtful about this request, even though I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I can do it, and I'll show him and I'll show all of you. Now, Alex is still going to question the validity or the method that I use. Now, you really think I can walk through that? Absolutely not. Okay, you take that back to your little seat and you ponder that for a while. <laughs> oh, he's a youngster. Ponder means think it through. Okay. He's going to call it a deception when I do this, and I know I can. He's going to call it a cheap trick uh, when, in fact, I can easily do it but I'm going to look at it from a different perspective of what a hole is, and I want you to do that throughout this entire message. And people are also very skeptical about what God says and does. Eternal life? Seriously? Suffering for the cause of Christ? What is that? They'll try everything they have to discredit the Bible, and yet not willing to accept the simple truth of Scripture that God loves them, cares for them, and promises them eternal life with him for simply believing that Jesus died for their sins and that they can gain heaven through simple prayer of repentance and forgiveness. 
It's too easy, so therefore, that can't be true. Now, Alex, that's a hole? All right, close. If you notice, he cut a circle. I'm not going to cut a circle. I'm going to look at it through a different perspective. And I won't do all of this right now. I'll continue and finish it. But skeptics, think about it. Now, as I continue with the message, I'm going to show you what that seems impossible is in fact possible when looked at from a totally different perspective. Look at it from a different way. The problem of evil is one of the biggest objections to belief in God. The question is usually something like this. If God is good and all-powerful, why does evil even exist? And why do bad things happen? How can we say a God is good and all-powerful if, if he can't or won't stop evil from permeating people's lives all around the world? That's our perspective. Whether the question is about evil existing or bad things, happening to good people or about sickness, tragedy, or death. It's all under the same umbrella. So the question really becomes, is it logically possible to believe in God as described in the Bible while evil exists in the world? So we've got to be starting at the beginning. To deal with the problem of evil, we must start at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We see that God is the creator of the cosmos. We also see that he creates everything good and humans were very good according to scripture. Humans had a close relationship with God and were designed to be a blessing and have a close relationship with him. And, they were, and, and humans then were given choice. And of course you know the choice. They chose to disobey God. They chose That choice led to exile. It led to sin and death. It had a universal effect on all of creation, even us. That one choice had that, that, that consequence on us. And it, 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 it resulted in a broken world with distorted views of good, evil, and reality. So now the choice. A choice is necessary for love. In the Garden of Eden with, with God, Adam and Eve were given a choice, and they could decide to eat of the tree of knowledge or good, of, good and evil and experience exile, sin, and death. Yeah, go ahead and eat, and these are your results. Or trust God and experience life. So why take the easy way, Adam and Eve? Mess it up for all of us. They were deceived and they chose what looked good in their own eyes from their perspective. So they were exiled and cut off from the garden and the relationship with God that they once had. So what happened there? The choice impacted nature, health, all of humanity. And they would struggle in their relationship with God for the rest of their lives. And they would have to work just to survive let alone be a blessing to others. So you see, God did not create evil, as some people think. God did not create evil. He created good. Evil acts in opposition to what God has said is good. Evil is seeing and taking what we want instead of trusting God and his definition of good, which includes love, selflessness, and blessing. That comes from God. God created humans with the capability to rebel against him, which we did, and to choose to do wrong. Now, they call this moral freedom or moral free will. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Now, in the Bible, this is called tov or ra in a language that I do not understand. But it means good or bad, life or death. This is the free choice God gave to humanity when humans act outside of the good that God intended. Obviously, they do bad, evil, and selfish things. The Bible shows humanity continuously having this choice 
and continually failing. We do every day of our lives. Instead of blessing others and living in peace as intended, humans became selfish, causing harm to themselves and to others as is evident in what's going on in the world today. Let's talk about the character of God and his good creation. Who is God? Is he really good? And again, back to Genesis 1 and 2. They're meant to introduce the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Here we learn that God is good. He said it was. He said he is. He wants humanity to live in peace and be a blessing to all others. However, they chose poorly as we do. Humanity found itself in a cycle of sin and depravity. But God intervened. Since the first choice of evil, God has intervened to restore the broken relationship. And this is a story of the Old Testament as God working with humanity that now constantly chooses bad to redeem the lost and restore humanity's relationship, him, relationship with him is what God had to do. So through the Old Testament, we learn about the Messiah that will come to fulfill each of those issues. It would take the perfect sacrifice. In Exodus chapter 34, God proclaims a statement about his own character, God's character. He says he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and is full of love and faithfulness. He forgives all sin, but is also just. So whatever is happening around us, it's a reminder of God's character that's important. Here's what scripture says in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. Repeat that. I do not excuse the guilty. I lay their sins, the sins of the parents, upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. And Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. So why does evil exist then? There are many reasons that we can give for the existence of evil. Let me just give you about three or four. The first reason for the existence of evil, true freedom. Evil exists because of the morally free choices of, of beings that God has created. We, we have that choice. This freedom is necessary for true love and can lead to good and evil extremes. The Bible tells us that humans are now born to sin with a desire to do evil and continue in sin. Genesis 8:21, and the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. In Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 23, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. The second reason for the existence of evil, selfish desires. Evil also happens because of our own selfish desires, James 1, 13 through, 20 through 22. And I use a lot of scripture because the Bible says it a lot better than I can. We didn't need an amen there. <laughs> but amen. <laughs> 
God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So because of the influence of spiritual forces that are looking to destroy us, it's necessary to put on the spiritual armor of God as talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 to protect us. The third reason for the existence of evil, to know what is good. We know what is truly good because we have a good God who has created the standard for good. We can see evil because we have a standard of good. If there was no standard of good outside of us, then we would not be able to identify true evil. The fourth reason for the existence of evil is to refine and test. So through challenges, people are led to real faith and conversion through things that happen in their lives. Experiencing evil and trials can also show the true nature and faith of a person. And if you consider Job, who went through that immense amount of pain and suffering, he learned to trust God even more through it. He didn't walk away. God uses pain to help us grow. Uh, C.S. Lewis watched his beloved wife die of cancer, and he put it this way, and this is a quote. But pain itself, upon being attended to, insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God's plan for us is to return to him and to lead the best possible life on earth. Sometimes we need to be reminded of our purpose. Pain is a sharp, clear tool to achieve, achieve that purpose. A needle may be necessary to prevent disease or infection. Nobody welcomes or enjoys the injection, but it prevents a far greater suffering. Just as what may seem like even intolerable pain now will lead to far greater happiness later. And he said that watching his wife die of cancer. Let me continue with my hole here for just a moment. Alex, pay attention. Okay, we'll continue that. Now the good news about evil. And here's the good news. God has never give up, given up on his relationship with us. Never. No matter what we do, we walk away from he's never given up on us. That's why the second person of the Trinity, which is Jesus, took human form and bore the weight of our sins and died on the cross for us to reconcile us back to God. You know, Jesus experienced and defeated all evil. He paid a price we could never pay. Now there's still a choice, a choice to choose life or death. And we can choose Jesus, who can save us from the power of darkness and deliver us into his kingdom of love and light. We can choose him. 
or we can choose evil. In this world, we're gonna experience all kinds of evil, but no matter how bad life gets, there is an offer of peace, love, and freedom. And God offers every one of us new and restored relationship with him. It's a relationship that will last into eternity, not just the 70 years that we've been promised, but it's gonna last into eternity. And then there'll be no more evil or pain. No more suffering. Suffering doesn't have to be the end of your story if you've gone through suffering. It is not God's desire that we go through pain. You know, he's, he's, he owes us nothing. When you think about that, we step back and think, boy, God owes us. He owes us nothing. In reality, we owe him. We owe him honor, respect, worship, obedience, and love with all of our hearts, mind, and soul. That's what we owe him. It is him who will restore the relationship with his own creation. A people who will love, honor, and cherish him because they choose to. And again, you choose. You look at it from a different perspective. We've all heard it numerous times. Why would a God who is all good, all knowing, and all powerful allow bad things to happen to me? That's the question people ask. We can also turn that question around. Why would an all good, all knowing, and all powerful God allow good things to happen to bad people? After all, while seeing good people suffer is horrible, it's not much fun seeing evil people having fun either. John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So bad things certainly happen, but God is working everything out for our good and for his glory in the long run, in the big picture. Look at it from a different perspective. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Now, some background is necessarily to more fully answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I'll ask you this, are there really good people? Define good people. First things first, according to the Bible, are there good people? Two answers. One, by nature, no one is good. No one. We are by nature sinners and lawbreakers and therefore not good. And that, Jesus told us that in Mark 10, 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Therefore, God is a standard for goodness. The bar is set really high. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in Psalm chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, it says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Ooh, different perspective. Kind of hurts, doesn't it? Romans 3, 10 through 12. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. But now, because of Christ, we're declared good. And you say, well, wait a minute. That kind of, isn't that kind of going against what you just said, that no one's good? Well, listen to this one. We are born with a sinful nature, a nature that does not seek God. We are naturally rebellious and disobedient. However, when we put our faith in Christ, the assurance of that faith will be the evidence of a new self or a new nature. Look at it from a different perspective. 
Colossians chapter 3, uh, the last part of verse 9 and verse 10 says, For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. We will then seek perfection, we'll never reach it. But now our intentions are to do good. Colossians 3 also tells us the following behavioral traits belong to our earthly and sinful nature. This is our nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. None of us ever do any of those, do we? That same chapter lists characteristics or virtues of the new nature or new self, the one striving to become good. It's compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, peace, and thankfulness. And because of Jesus, we have a new self. So we have that goal to obtain a new nature and a good nature. That new self is continually being transformed into the image of Christ himself. Because every Sunday we come in here, I come in here to get, spiritually, get my gas tank spiritually refilled. I need that because by the end of the week, I'm drained. And I need to sit there and listen to what Pastor Jason says and hear the scripture and apply that to my life. You know, because of Jesus and we have that new self up and being continually transformed, then humans say, well, why did God allow that? Why do bad things happen to good people? If God is a loving God, why would he let this happen? How can I believe God exists? If he did, this wouldn't happen to me. Many Christian leaders avoid answering these questions because it's not that they don't know the answer. Virtually all do. It's because they know people won't like the answer. And so they shy away from it because they don't want their popularity to back off. But the truth sometimes has to overtake that. So they respond with cliches, or as I call them, cop-out answers. And, and just listen through these. There are things we just don't understand. That'll make it better. Or God works in mysterious ways. That should make it better. Or God has a purpose. I know you've all heard that. Now, while these are all, in essence, true... They really don't answer the question. The sort of, they sort of skirt the answer because no one wants to tell you something you don't want to hear and you don't want, you don't want someone to tell you that. But people often hear things in answers that they twist to meet their preconceived notions. Sometimes it's actually better not to answer a question than to answer with something that may cause more division or controversy. Example, if your wife asks you, do I look fat in this dress? Any answer you give is going to be wrong, guys. An affirmative answer could result in serious injury. And if you say, oh, no, you don't look fat in that dress, that answer will be perceived that, so I look fat in other dresses? <laughs> Bottom line, you can't win that, that, that argument. So, guys, silence in this case is your best and wisest answer assuring survival <laughs> however there are questions to the question of why do bad things happen to good people God made the answer very clear it is the bad news that makes the good news so good first bad things don't happen to good people because there are no good people all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so there are only people we think are better than others an attitude which betrays the fact that we put ourselves in God's judgment seat you're good, you're bad. I, I'm saying that. No, 
We're not, we're not in God's judgment seat. So I kind of told you, you wouldn't like the answer. Why do bad things happen to good people? The, the short of it, sin. And again, I want five minutes with Adam and Eve when I get to heaven. Just five minutes. Again, now that's the bad news, but here's the good news. That's the gospel. God loved us so much, and through Jesus, he became part of his creation and paid the price for our sin, offering us forgiveness if we're just willing to accept his lordship over our lives. You know, we don't put God in the serious position that we need to put him in. We really don't. We kind of candy coat it. I come Sunday and I'm good for the week. Uh, my Bible, I'm not real sure where it's at, but I, I believe every word in it. That's just the way people are. You know, bad things will continue to happen to us and to this fallen world, but one day the Lord will return to this world including our fallen bodies and this world are all going to be renewed and sin and evil will be done away with. But that's not here yet. Until then, each bad or evil thing that happens is a reminder of who we have been and who we are. However, Scripture makes it plain that God did not create the world in the state at which it is now. But evil came in as a result of the selfishness of man. The Bible says that God is a God of love and he desired and he desired to create a person and eventually a race that would love him and honor him. But genuine love can't exist unless freely given through the free choice and will. And thus man was given the choice to accept God's love or reject it. Very simple. Accept or, or reject it. The choice made the possibility of evil become very real. Because when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they did not do something God created, but they, by their choice, brought evil into the world and God is, neither e God is neither evil nor did he create evil he is incapable of that man brought evil upon himself by selfishly choosing his own way apart from the way of God a quote from Josh McDowell says although the Bible informs us of how and why evil came about it does, does not tell us why God allowed it to happen However, we do know that God is all-wise and all-knowing and that he has reasons for allowing things to happen that are beyond our comprehension. Now again, I don't know why or understand how that when I simply flip a switch, a bulb comes on and it gives me light in darkness. I just trust that the result of flipping that switch, I'll get light. It's simple, but at the same time very complex because many things have to happen for that light to exist. There has to be a power plant and, and wires and fuses and, and you name it before I flip that switch and I get light. Very simple. I got light. Boy, was it difficult to get it there. But I don't, I don't think about that. I just think about the simplicity. I don't know why or understand how God works either, but I know that if I trust him, eventually all will be light. The plan of salvation is simple. But at the same time, it's complex. Many things had to happen in order to reach perfection again with the God of the universe. Jesus had to suffer, be humiliated, laughed at, spit upon, beat, killed. But some people just look at the cross on a Sunday and say, oh, that's cool. And they go on with, with, with life the way it is, not realizing what it is we need to do. Pain, evil, good, bad, impossible, possible, still think impossible how in the world am I going to cut a hole in a piece of paper 
that I could walk through? Well, because I'm going to look at it from a totally dif- different perspective than you do. So, as I continue to cut that, our connection point for today is in Jesus. Pain has a purpose. And let me explain this. I saw this statement on the wall of my, uh, chiropr- my chiropractor, Dr. Gary Minoric. And I was sitting there waiting for him to come in. It made me think, and here's what it read. Pain has a purpose. Pain is produced by the body as part of an overall plan for survival. Pain is nature's burglar alarm. When it sounds, it means that something is trying to steal your health. It means that something is hampering with your correct body function. It means that you better start doing something to stop the theft. The purpose of pain is to act as a stimulator or call for action. It is produced to make you act to correct the cause of the pain. If we don't correct the pain, then our bodies can't function and perform the way it was intended to. Sometimes more pain is needed to correct the pain. Do you like getting a shot? I don't. But you know what? That pain may relieve the pain that is causing the body discomfort. When Dr. Minoric worked on my back, it hurt a little bit. But he's trained to do that, to do it in the right way. But later, the pain was less. And after a couple of appointments, I felt really good. And I was able to function as before because I took, got rid of the pain that was telling, warning my body that something's not right. My hips were going this way, and my shoulders was going this way. I mean, I could exaggerate, but I was, I was like this. That gets pretty hard to walk like that. So he had to straighten me up, and, and sometimes it hurt a little bit. But pain has a purpose. You got to trust your doctor. When we're in spiritual pain or those bad things happen to us or evil is loose in the world, it's a reminder of of the sin of humanity of which each of us are citizens. And in fact, we need to seek out the one who can relieve the pain. I've got spiritual pain. I need to seek out the great physician, our Heavenly Father. And sometimes we as Christians say, I can take care of it. I can fix it myself. No, we can't. You know, as we discussed, sometimes God allows or permits pain or bad things to happen to good people. All direct results of sin. And like Job, when in dire need or stress, we too are invited to trust in the true character of God, which he did. In the face of suffering, in the face of questions that defy understanding in this life, God is still in control. Not us. We're not in control. We can get frustrated when we can't fix it. We get angry when the solution, the pain to pain or bad things are out of our control. Now I can't fix it, and that makes it worse. That's when our faith needs to kick in. However, remember this. Faith makes all things possible, not easy. Again, God owes us nothing. He didn't say your life is going to be easy, and you say that's not fair of what God's doing. But I'd rather live 70 years living for Christ and then spending eternity in perfection than living 70 years of partying, partying and, and having good things and doing good things and, and then spend eternity separated from God. It's not wrong to have fun. It's not wrong to have, God, uh, have things. But we've got to keep the perspective and look at it in a different way, the way we look at God. This is serious stuff. In times of need or trouble, spiritually speaking, we need to look at it from a different perspective, maybe totally different than what we're used to. It's easier when it's not happening to you. It's easier when you're consoling or encouraging and encouraging others. But man, when it hits home, 
and times get tough and we question God, then we must trust that God knows better than us. That he can handle it. That he can get us through. Because pain has a purpose. And we as Christians have a purpose, and that's simply this, to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. That's our job. Not to, to, to obtain everything. Again, there's nothing wrong if God has blessed you with wealth or the ability to buy. There's nothing wrong with having things. But again, our perspective and how we look at it, how do we use that to honor and glorify God? What really matters is spending eternity in perfection with our God and our Savior. And that was the intention of God all along before the fall of man. Reconciliation back to God through the saving power of Jesus Christ is the key. And from a personal viewpoint, if I had to suffer to bring someone to Jesus, and so be it. And again, you say, oh, easy to say, wait till it happens to you. See, I used to talk to people who lost their parents and try to console them and work with them. But until I lost my parents, I didn't really know how they felt. And you can't just walk up and go, hey, everything's good. God has a purpose. Let's pray. That does not work. But at the same time, God does have a purpose. Our purpose in this life, and you can reach people that I will never be able to reach, is to be that witness to Jesus that's going to make them want to walk through that door and join the family. And that's what's important. You know, Pastor Travis told us in a staff meeting about a 24-year-old girl. He said she was diagnosed with probable terminal cancer. And her testimony was incredible. As she told someone that she was glad she got the cancer and not someone else because she could handle it since she knew where she would spend eternity. Her priorities are right and her faith is incredible. Hard to say how many will accept Christ because of her acceptance of a perceived bad thing that happened to a good person. You know, my very best friend, Dave Eschker, dude could quote scripture left and right. He could console people. He helped people. He counseled people. He was probably the strongest Christian man I ever knew in my life. 16 years ago, God took him home. And at first, I was really angry. Like, why, God, would you take a man that's reaching so many people? But through a little thing on, on the internet called Caring Bridge, people began to, to talk and, and ask questions and pray for him. Do you know how many, maybe thousands of people were touched because God took Dave home? My selfish human part says, that's not fair. He took my best friend. But think of the thousands that might be in heaven because of his life. And it makes the bad thing that happened to a good person a good thing that's going to happen to somebody else. That's still very difficult. 16 years later, I miss him a lot. But boy, what he accomplished through cancer and passing on was more than I'll ever do in my entire life. Still, it doesn't make it any easier to understand from a human standpoint. But in Jesus, pain has a purpose. I want to tell you today that if you're here and you're not really sold out to live for Jesus, that's our job. That's what we're doing is taking people to heaven with us. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you don't have a relationship, don't listen to the world in the way that they, they skeptically try to push religion aside and say, that's oh, a cop-out for you people. It's not a cop-out. It's the way to heaven. 
God created us to live in perfection with him and we blew it. I blow it every day. But thank God, Scripture tells me that once I've accepted Jesus, that he pushes that into the sea of his forgetfulness. And one day I'm going to be able to walk up, look before the Savior and say, thank you, thank you for thousands and thousands of years that's going to go by like that and live in perfect harmony with the Savior. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, look up Pastor Jay, myself, Pastor Randy, Pastor Travis. We can show you very simply, it's simple, yet so complex. It's easy, yet so hard. So today I'm just going to ask you to trust in Jesus. And by the way, you say, there's so many things that's impossible, God can't get me through. I told you I could cut a hole in an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that I could walk through. And you say it's impossible, you're skeptical. But let's look, for, look at this hole from a different perspective. Alex cut a hole in. I can poke a hole in it. I can't walk through that. But as with God, all things are possible when you look at it through a different perspective. So, while I've been cutting and you've been listening, this is my idea of a hole in a piece of paper. And if I don't shake it too hard like I did the first service, it shouldn't break. But there it is. It's a continuous, it's, it's maybe a little bit different. And some of these stick and some don't. There you go. And it just keeps getting bigger. And if I were to cut those little lines a little thinner, it would be bigger. Alex, come up here. Bring your hole. Now again, I don't want to shake it too much because it is breakable. See, I broke it. But I'm ready. I have another one. <laughs> Alex, oh, there we go. Walk through that hole, my friend. You say impossible, that's impossible. This is. That's the world and evil. This is God and good. When you think you can't get through it, and you say it's impossible for me to get through this, trust God. Let's pray. Father, today we are so very, very grateful that you as a loving and giving God can allow us to look at things from your perspective. When we think there's bad things happening, and God, they are, we really need to look at it and say, what good can come out of this? C.S. Lewis's wife, Dave Eschker. God, people sometimes die and, and they hurt. And until it's happening to us, it's, it's, it's hard to accept. But in reality, our job Father, is to take as many people to heaven with us as we can through the testimony, through the fact that as we leave this place, the inspiration that you'll give us, the encouragement that you'll give us, the courage that you'll give us to be that witness and testimony to those people that need Jesus. So, Father, whether they're watching online, they're here live, or they're going to go out, Father, and meet with friends, all the things in this earth are fun that we want to have fun. A lot of things on this earth, this earth aren't fun but God we go out and live a daily life but as we leave today encourage us to live it more for you because God all that matters is that in Jesus pain has a purpose and for that we will ever be grateful and we pray in Jesus name amen